The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Welcome back to another episode of Gospel Shaped Home. I'm Andy Owens, pastor of Family Discipleship. And uh, after this episode, we're actually going to Take a break on the Monday episodes. We're going to continue on Wednesdays uh, discussing a chapter a week of Paul Tripp's book, Parenting. Um, but today I have the joy and privilege of introducing you, our listeners, to some dear friends of mine, uh, Robert and Rana Klein. Robert, Rana, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you may be able to tell by the sound of their voice, they're actually not here physically. They're calling in on the phone, but Robert and Rana are friends of ours from our time in Central Asia. Um, they, uh, uh, you've, you've heard me on this podcast mention several times a brother and sister in Turkey who said and who counseled us to. And uh, that brother and sister are Robert and Rana Klein. They're, they have uh, had really significant influence in Erica and I's um, understanding of our role as parents and the opportunities we have in our children's lives have been a regular source of encouragement and counsel to us. And so I'm just really thankful uh, to get to have them on here to talk with you guys about um, deadly parenting. So before we jump into the topic, Robert, Rana, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, where you've lived, where you're at now, what you're doing, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, Rana, I've been married 30 plus years. We have four daughters. And we are currently living just outside of Richmond. We've lived in our married lives um, up and down the coast of the East Coast, New England, 10 years, and then 10 years in Central Asia. And we've been back here about four uh, years. So I currently work in training, and we've developed some training for marketplace Christians as they seek to go overseas. And and I'm working on a a variety of things just related to training in the the task of getting the gospel to the nations and cross-cultural stuff and even things like careful conversations, um, how to give effective feedback from a biblical perspective, all kinds of things like that. Great. Okay. How about this? Just to kind of personalize, you know, most of our listeners don't know you guys, something you could share about yourselves that would just, you know, help our, our folks get to know you a little bit. Well, you want to talk about different places we've lived, Rana? Yeah, we were talking earlier today. Uh, we've had the opportunity to live in a lot of different types of places. We were both in um, Central America before we got married, living in Honduras in very uh, rustic conditions. And um, then during seminary, we had the opportunity to live in a multi-million dollar uh, mansion by the bay. Uh, we were caretakers on a man's estate. So we've experienced kind of lots of different extremes from sleeping on a hammock when I was in Honduras. And I think, Rana, tell us about your living arrangements there. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, large bugs in Central America, which aren't my favorites. My roommate and I actually papered the walls with newspaper to keep the bugs um, off of us that used to appear at night. So. And then we lived in New England in a man named Gabby's estate, which was on the water in Manchester by the sea. We had to have a fireplace going as we looked over at the ocean. And uh, he had a boathouse. We were free to, like, go sailboarding anytime we wanted in the summer. So... Hey, we've seen lots of different ways of living, and um, it's been fun for us to just kind of adjust to whatever God has for us. Yeah. I'm guessing when you lived in Central Asia, it was more like the house on the sea uh, than the uh, the place in Honduras. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we moved uh, from living on the coast to a doubly landlocked country. A doubly landlocked <laughs> country. Yes, a former Soviet 
um, you know, primarily Muslim country in Central Asia. And it, it was probably not very much like that mansion on the sea in New England, I'm guessing. Uh, but, the, but the fruit and vegetables were amazing. That's uh, true. Yes. Not much infrastructure, but the, but the fruit and vegetables were great. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, again, thankful for you guys. You know, one other question. How old are your daughters? You mentioned you have four daughters. How old are they? Um, the youngest is going to be 25, and the oldest, I think, is 30 or 31. Okay. 31. So you have four 30, 30. grown children. Um, so you've, you've done most of the, the hard work of raising them through those, you know, early years and the tumultuous teen years and all that stuff. And you've got them off into adulthood. And, um, I know that you're still regularly engaged with them and stuff, but just to give our listeners a a little bit of perspective, you guys have been through kind of all the seasons of parenting, uh, now. So I think, yeah, there's, this is an interesting season as well. Um, you know, the virus has affected all of our daughters in terms of their employment and yeah so we're still you know relating to them but not so much I mean we're still parents but we relate to them more as friends or brothers and sisters in Christ now yeah. which is uh it's just different yeah so sure hard that but yeah different yeah well uh when Erica and I had first moved to Turkey uh we were at a conference and Robert and Rana were leading a a breakout session on parenting this was my first experience of, of gleaning some wisdom from them. But during this really helpful session on parenting, they used the phrase deadly parenting. And uh, it stuck in my heart and mind. It's given a lot of uh, shape to the way I've thought about my role and task as a parent. So, Robert, Rana, would you guys explain what do you mean by that phrase deadly parenting? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember exactly how we came up with it. I think we were just trying to think of something to be memorable, and apparently we succeeded yeah, in that. It was memorable, yeah. Um, you know, we we just look at Scripture and what it means to be a follower of Christ, to have repented and believed the gospel, as credo-baptists really clearly demonstrating every time we have baptism that we've died with Christ and we've been raised with Him or united with Him in His death, and just trying to think through what is there in scripture that applies to parenting where the word parent doesn't appear or father or mother. And there's an awful lot about uh, what it means to die to our own sinful or self-centered desires and you know, parenting, particularly young children. There's a lot of that, that, that seem to fit. Yeah. Um, as you think about, I mean, the Christian life itself calls you to die to yourself in a lot of ways. Um, anger or frustration you feel, uh, you have to die to that and try to respond with forgiveness and love. And parenting uh, does the same thing. It shows us a lot of our wrong uh, responses and idols. And I think to parent well as a Christian, you have to to die to those things uh, and try to respond in a way that is loving and kind or intentionally training your children. And so healthy parenting means being willing to die to your responses that might not be right. Um, and idols in your heart that you have for your children. Uh, we can't change our children's hearts, um, which we can work on our own. And so daily parenting is about working on your own heart um, and trying to die to those idols that you can parent your children well. Yeah. Well, another way to think about it is sometimes you think of marriage and in marriage how God uses our spouses both to bring us great joy but also to be his instruments and agents in, in our sanctification in similar ways, parenting will reveal to us ways we need to die to sin and live to righteousness, as Peter said. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where the, the name came from or the title. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in a sense, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to take up our cross daily. We have to die to ourselves. There's all sorts of putting to death the old, the old nature with its, its sinful practices. And, and, uh, I feel like you guys really, it was just a great mindset to, um, to impart to us who were, you know, all of us were in a cross-cultural context, trying to learn a new language and learn a new culture to, for the sake of sharing the gospel. And we're trying to raise our kids in this stressful context. And you guys just reminding us that it's going to take, if we're going to love our kids well, and if we're going to point them to the savior, it's going to mean we have to die um, to, to a lot and often to, to love them like Christ has loved us. So, um, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. also, I mean, just, just real quickly that, yeah, there's also just, it should be a regular reminder when we think of parenting being deadly, um, just how wonderful the gospel is, because the only way we can uh, die to sins is because uh, Christ has borne our sins in his body on the tree. Again, He's died Peter for says, us. Yeah. Because we, we, we can live this new life, we can face what it would feel like to die to self, because Christ has already accomplished everything needful for our salvation. And so there's both hope and challenge in that phrase. That's good. Yeah. So uh, practically, what does this look like? Could you guys give any illustrations from your you know, family life of how following Christ, dying to self, uh, shaped your parenting? Well, you know, there's ways in which I think I was constantly having to repent and confess and ask forgiveness of, of my wife and my children at times because I wasn't uh, willing to do that in the moment. Um, and Lord, goodness and kindness, sometimes I was. So maybe a better way to answer would be like situations where there's an opportunity to die to self. <laughs> um, and one of those would be, you know, it starts early when your children are learning to, to sleep at night and the temptation for me often was, you know, I'd love to solve problems. Um, get out there, a can-do person, I'll, I'll get this child back to sleep. Well, is that really the goal here, or is there something else going on? And so dying to my desire to solve a problem quickly and get back in bed would mean I approach a child who was struggling with staying in bed very differently. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a practical example, um, kind of embarrassing, but when my kids were young, I used to think, you know, I had a right to just sit down sometimes and I just put them down for a nap, you know. I was entitled to a few minutes of quiet to sit and read a book. You know, sure enough, if that was my attitude, the kid would wake up from the nap and have a question or a problem or whatever. And my response showed me a lot about my heart. If I, if I became very frustrated, um, I think that showed me that I had actually made that desire for a few minutes, a few minutes of quiet uh, into some kind of idol in my heart. If I could put the book down quickly and respond to them with love, well, then I was, I was successfully, you know, denying that and serving my, my child when they needed it. So that's kind of a practical example. Yeah. There's lots of examples. Another one is when your children, uh, quote, unquote, embarrass you in public by behaving in ways that they know they shouldn't and you train them not to. You know, you die to yourself. Um, it's going to happen anyway. And then what do you do? How do you manage that, those feelings of embarrassment or shame? Um, you know, you need to recognize again that you have a higher goal than than your reputation. Yeah. Um, that's not really what this is about. It's about loving our children well. It's about um, you know trying to model to our children what it means to follow Christ. Um, 
it, it's much more than the idols of our heart, which is what the, the dying is, is really getting at is what, what am I demanding here that I have no right to demand? And I need to die to that. Um, we want to know and love Jesus more and more deeply. And, and really, that's what we want for our children. It's not about a behavioral modification project, though there are clear there's clear guidance in Proverbs, and we do have behavioral expectations. There's so much more going on in parenting than that. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, so another question, kind of a follow-up to that, though, is, um, you know, you're talking about, you said there's lots of examples. Really, you could, um, you know, you could look throughout the years of parenting, and this is there's really a never-ending need to die to self, to die to comfort, to die to your own interests, desires, plans for the sake of shepherding your kids, taking the time to, to go deeper, to help with heart issues. So what, what encouragement would you guys give to parents when they don't feel like dying to themselves, when they just, they want peace and quiet. They, you know, um, they would like to be able to sit and read for a few minutes and yeah. How would you counsel parents who are struggling to die to self? One thing we often say, uh, I often talk about even just in terms of um, evangelism, but if you, if you, if your heart doesn't want to do something, then you pray to the one who can change your heart. And so mm-hmm. pray for God to change your heart and to want you to want to die to yourself uh, in those ways or to be able to let go of that thing that you're clinging to, whether it's quiet or your own bedtime or your aspirations for your children when they grow up or go to college. And I'm just going to let those things go and lay them before Jesus. So my first response is they pray and ask God to help change your heart. Yeah, and, and similar to that, I think, is just try to have people that you can talk to, including the Lord, about, you know, what is the story that I'm telling myself here? Is, is, is this accurate, you know? Um, what, what are my goals here in this situation? Why is this so hard? What, what's, the, what's going on in my heart um, that I, I'm wanting these things that, that really aren't what God wants for me as a parent? And being willing to be open and confessing those things and asking for his help. And I would say, too, as, as your children reach appropriate ages, um, yeah, it, you, you will probably want regularly to appropriately confess your sins to your children. You're going to sin against them. And they need to understand that, that there's a Savior, and his name is Jesus, and he's wonderful. And we get a fresh start. We're not, we're not characterized by our failures. We are new creations in Christ. And so, you know, that's also part of it as well, I think. Yeah, that's great. I think even when you say, what story are you telling yourself? Like we have to be, if we're going to have a, a gospel-shaped mindset, if we're going to, uh, like Jesus, be quickly um, giving of ourselves to serve our kids and, and pursue their everlasting joy, then we're going to have to be telling ourselves the story of Jesus. We're going to have to remember his cross, his resurrection, remember his faithfulness. And ultimately in those moments of, of discouragement, weakness, remind ourselves of, uh, of the cross. Like you said, it's a, it's a challenging call, but it's also such a hope giving call. So anything else, any last encouragements to parents uh, at Providence and, how to how to cultivate this mindset of gospel parenting is deadly parenting. Well, you know, I think, it, like you said, brother, it comes back to the gospel, and really that's what, and, and I, I think I'll just be 
frank about myself, I knew I didn't succeed often at that. I, I, I tried. Um, but that our children would really catch the gospel from the way we approach everything. And I think if I understand the gospel correctly, um, if we seek to find our lives, we will lose them. So it's all just kind of wrapped up. And am I trying to find my life in this parenting thing, or am I secure enough in Christ that I'm willing to, to give myself appropriately to my children and serving and loving them well and believe that that is life, that that is what I was made for, uh, not, not something that the culture of the world would say parenting is all about. So it's all kind of wrapped up together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think just praying also for the humility um, that, you know, parenting brings. You have children, you know, the humility it brings when they embarrass you in public or um, you don't respond the way you want them to. Take that opportunity uh, and pray for the Lord to help you see your heart um, and how you can grow through this situation. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for joining today. I'm super grateful to the Lord for your friendship and the ways he's used you guys to help us think about parenting. And uh, to you, our listeners, I hope it's been an encouragement to you to get to hear from Robert and Ron a little bit today. So Robert, Ron, thanks, guys. Thank you, brother. Blessing. Yeah. Okay. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast, produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.